0: Hello and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of Next Step Consulting. Today, I'd like to welcome my friend Timo Sturm to the show. Timo is a freelance product coach and mentor who helps others achieve successful careers in product. He is also the co-founder of What a Location, which is a data and analytics tool for commercial real estate industry. Hello, Timo. How are you? And thanks for being on the show.
1: Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to speak today.
0: Likewise, we're uh, very excited to speak with you and I'm always uh, happy to connect with my product people from all over the world. So where are you calling in from today?
1: Uh, I'm located here in Dresden, Germany, which is roughly 200 kilometers south of Berlin.
0: Very exciting. It's good to know that people are doing great product work all over the world. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Awesome, so if you could, for our audience, please give a little bit more information about your background, yourself, and your product experience. And then also, you know, what, uh, what brought you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I started my career as a uh, PM in a small music startup. We were an early competitor of Spotify here in Germany, um, which was my first fail. Um, after that, I understood that distribution seems to be an important thing and in the US then the whole growth hacking movement started. So I went into that and um, then worked for three and a half years on Xing, which is basically a German speaking LinkedIn and uh, competed directly with LinkedIn, obviously. Uh, my job was to keep them as far as out of the market as I could or make us growing faster than they do. And um, after that, I went, went, uh, went on to Lavoo, which is a German mobile dating app um, direct competitor of tinder in europe and um, yeah became after two years became cpo there um, helped to transition the uh, uh the revenue streams into from transactional to subscription um, managed to turn around in the company um, we got acquired then after one uh, one year roughly after after i took over for 70 million euros um, by a us-based company and my last job then there was to implement a new live streaming product uh, which ended up six months after uh, after launch it had a revenue run rate of good eight figures um so it was a pretty successful launch and um yeah then i just felt like i want to extend my impact and, and to go into my passion which was coaching people and helping other pms to become uh, become successful ones. And um, this is then where I started my coaching experience and um, and my my coaching business. And yeah, and then I started this small startup with a friend of mine in the real estate industry. It started as a side project. And now became like a, a slightly bigger thing. and um, but still i'm I'm spending most of my time in uh, in coaching.
0: Very cool. Thank you for providing. That is a, an impressive career history, I would say, that has led you kind of to where you came today. And I, I especially like the fact that you were forward and direct about the previous failures and lessons learned. I know for myself, from a product perspective, still the, probably the best learn I've, I've had today was my first product failure. So um, I want to encourage others not to be afraid of that, right? That adversity is really an opportunity to grow and learn. Um, and then obviously, like it has for you, it has translated to greater success down the road. So I imagine it benefited you as well. So awesome. Thank you for providing. And that is a nice transition into what we wanted to talk about today, among other things, was your extensive coaching expertise and product expertise, who you work with and the kind of things that you do to help them. Because I know we get a lot of people listening to this show that are in product or running product businesses themselves and are looking to better themselves when it comes to the skills in and around product management. And then before we get into that, perhaps I'd like to learn a little bit about the differences between the local cultures and how they approach product management, uh, both here in the U.S., where we're based, and where you are in Europe. And we talked about that a little bit when we spoke last. I imagine there's some interesting perspectives and in how the cultures impact the work. And I'd be curious to hear from your perspective kind of what those differences are, and then perhaps we can talk about what you think the pros and cons to each approach are, or really which which culture could learn to learn what from the other.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, in my experience. Um, the main difference between Europe and the US is the degree of um, of being able to deal with uncertainty. I would say, um, I would say, Europeans are more conservative than US people. Um, you're more used to uh, um, to take your um, fate in your to your own hand and drive everything forward, while in when you look at Europe, also the political landscape, right, everything is built like, okay, how can we make everything as secure as possible for everyone so that even if a failure happens, um, you still have some kind of security net. Um, and obviously, the the uh, US culture is far more entrepreneurial, I would say. Um, and that's what I found is one of the biggest differences. So when you look at especially in Germany, but also the rest of Europe, product managers often very close to project management, which probably comes from, um, when you also look at the landscape of startups, we have a heavy um, skew towards e-commerce, um, which seems to be logical from, from our history, right? And we always have in trading countries, and this is what we understand, what we're good at, um, there's definitely uh, definitely strength, and at the same time, it's some, sometimes a little bit limiting. So you don't find, for example, a lot of social or very consumer-oriented startups here, um, and that's definitely a huge difference between those two cultures. And I think the other thing that we talked about was education. right? When you look at our educations, so there is, um, I just remember that from my from engineering friends of mine. Many of them have a super good. Education in computer science itself, but they are not very eager to talk about business or product. It's more about the technical challenge itself, and not so much about like, okay, how can we change the world for our customers? And um, I think that's definitely some some differences. The U.S. engineers that I uh, that I know uh, seem to be far more business savvy. I would say.
0: I always find the perspectives fascinating because I have to imagine there's there's something to be learned from everyone, realistic. That's why I love connecting with other product people is I learn some seriously fascinating perspectives and the skills and expertise that they deploy. I had a, a guest on our show previously, Jonathan, and he talked about knowing exactly what a story point costed at every product company he's been at throughout his entire career. And I thought that was fascinating. It's an It's a really interesting perspective when you can take your development efforts down to dollars and cents. Um, So I'd love to hear from you a little bit about how you would how you would influence the style of each local culture, as in what you might encourage each to be open to, since you've had the experience in working with both.
1: Yeah, Um, I think for the Europeans, that's the Europeans are pretty obvious. It's more about um, this classic. Uh, saying of embracing failure and that failure is okay. Um, we have, for example, I remember I was working with one company and they were claiming this, that, we, that they embrace failure and that they celebrate failures. But what actually happened is when someone made a failure, they uh, called in the big meeting, which was called post-mortem, which already means something's dead, some kind of a strange situation. And then the first question that was asked there was like, how do we prevent this from happening again? which felt to me like, okay, if I am the responsible person for that failure, whatever it is, felt like, okay, now I'm with my back at a wall. Um, it was pretty interesting. And once we found a little bit different, sometimes it's just wording, right? Sometimes it's just like the language that you use that uh, makes it easier to, to deal with, with failures. Um, I think that's definitely what the Europeans can can learn from uh, uh, from Americans and um it comes down to many things, but for example, the aggressiveness that American companies often shows are not that existent here in Europe. So it's, we all tend to play safe. On the other end of the spectrum, um, obviously, I think what we are very good at is um, basically like putting structures into certain things. Right. Once we have it, once we know something works, we know how to how to repeat it again and again and again. And um, I felt that some of the U.S. companies, sometimes, then uh, that I worked with, sometimes lacked that kind of st- structure. Then in that moment, so I think um, they could learn basically when is the right moment to set structure in place and um, to multiply their successes. But obviously, they have they are exceptions. Some U.S. companies are doing fairly well, so um, they seem to have nailed that.
0: Thank you for providing that perspective. I will say regarding the process and structure here in the US, I would, I would really appreciate if companies here took more of that approach upon occasion, especially some of the startups. And I don't know if it's necessarily, at least from my perspective, the fact that they need to do it themselves, but having a healthy amount of respect for that process and that structure can help from an from an understanding of what this experience should be like perspective. For example, I've worked with, um, as a consultant, I work with people building product businesses and oftentimes they come to me and they just want to build the product, whatever it is. They, there's a huge education gap with regard to, okay, what are we building? Why are we building this? Who are we building this for? That's not flushed out quite yet, but then they get frustrated having to jump through those hoops and those steps And it's because they don't have in my, in my opinion, the experience that we have where, you know, we have early product failure. So we have those hard lessons learned and we understand the theory and how to translate that into practice. So, uh, it doesn't always happen that way, but I think there's a little bit of a culture here that is just like run full speed at all times, no matter what direction, and eventually you'll get there. And I, I understand that sometimes that works, but other times that can be reckless and that can cause more damage than it does progress. So, taking a step back and doing a little bit of planning upfront, I think uh, could seriously benefit a lot of organizations as well too. And then like you said, embracing that culture of failure and experimentation, that failure is not a bad thing, right? I, I thought about it uh, way too long when I failed with my first product company and you know, it didn't make me feel great, obviously, but somebody finally gave me the right perspective on it when they told me that it's not a failure, you just, it was a, it was a lesson learned, right? It's a matter of, it's not over. It's a matter of what you do with it from here. And that had really changed my thought process and got me reinvigorated and and re encouraged me to kind of go back with what I learned and just work on the next version. And ever since then, it's been something that I've been very comfortable with. So excellent perspective. Thank you for providing.
1: Then we come basically to one of one other thing. I think that for example, Europeans can learn from us uh, Mm -hmm. is one of the, one of the things that I see here in Europe is once the process is set, it's set. So there's not much flexibility around it, and I think that's some, again been something where you can learn some, uh, some uh, uh, can add some something from from the more let's say chaotic uh, uh, um, cultures. So that um, sometimes it's good to break the rules a little bit, right? And the, stretch everything and to to challenge everything so i think that's definitely something especially in germany and sometimes you feel when the process is set the first thing you hear when you ask someone like hey why haven't you tried to do it this way because it seems to be obviously more efficient or effective and then the answer is yeah but that's on the way how we work and then okay good um it's a very interesting expression that you hear a lot in germany i don't know I never heard that in the US, but um, I heard it a lot here in Germany.
0: That's a great point. And I would say I've had that experience personally here, but typically with larger companies. Mm-hmm. And it can be particularly frustrating, especially for anybody within your workforce who has the skills to be able to improve those process or show to you that this process is inefficient or ineffective. So that's an excellent point. I've been there myself personally, and it can be quite frustrating. So it's a good point to say that once your process has been developed, not holding it as this is what it's going to be forever, right? Some things can change. And in my opinion, any process can be approved. It's kind of inevitable, it's like technology, right? It's going to evolve whether you um, adopt it or not.
1: <laughs> it's probably product in itself, right? You're, you're right. Just, it's like never ending process of yep. okay, how do you improve that? Where are all the your bottlenecks? Everything. It's,
0: True. Excellent. Well, on that topic of learning, uh, another thing we wanted to talk about today was your expertise and the uh, the great work that you do as a product mentor and product coach. If you could, for the audience, give them a little bit of an idea and what the kind of coaching that you do looks like, who you work with, and then I'll have a few questions that I'm sure our audience would be interested to ask you uh, for the show.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, essentially, I have two um, two programs basically one is more towards product leaders so there i'm basically um setting up with them like one-on-one calls um and just sparing with them um their product ideas just about exchanging ideas and um another big part of of it is like holding them accountable on what they said in the beginning right sometimes your uh your day-to-day work can be very um um, very chaotic. And there are a lot of requests that are coming to your desk. And I'm sometimes helping them just so like, Hey, but we set this goal, that's still valid. And if yes, why don't you just put the thing that side that you have now on your table and focus your teams on the stuff that's going through. Um, same applies with it's a matter of just, it's more like a PR, uh, um, PR consulting, I would say. Um, and the second thing is that's something that is just, super new and that I'm currently setting up, but um, in order to be able to serve more, let's say, advanced PMs, so from two years upwards, um, to help them to make the next step in their career, um, I'm currently setting up some kind of a training program where it's start the pilot right now. Um, So just learning together with them, what's most important to them, how can I help them? Um, And as part of that training, I also offer some um some one-on-one coaching in there um, because i really want to make sure that it's most effective for them and for them individually i learned there's so many so many is dependent on context um, that no training in the world can it might give you some inspiration but how to apply it to your situation is something very different that's why i decided to also add some kind of um group coaching but also at the same time some one-on-one coaching private thread chat to to help them to implement really the stuff that they want to do and to make progress and the main difference i would say is i'm looking a lot for and not so much for skills um, skills is it's like a tool you need them to achieve something but the ultimate thing that i keep my mentees on is like hey what's the achievement that you want to have on for your career but at the same time also for your employer right because your employer is essentially the one who's like moving you through the career ladder um, and if your current employee isn't doing it then very likely your future employer will do and that's what I'm so I'm basically trying to create some kind of a win-win-win for employer employee and the customer.
0: Very cool thank you for providing that information we'll talk a, a little bit more about that too when we get into the resources section of the show. One of the things I wanted to ask you, which I'm sure we have plenty of aspiring product managers, current product managers that listen to the show, and it's, you know, with this experience that you have as a coach, um, I'd love to hear from you in terms of the things that people can best do to prepare themselves for a career in product or for those that are in product to become more successful in product. And one of the things in particular that you mentioned uh, in the early part of describing the work that you do is that you know, product work can be quite chaotic. There can be a thousand things to do at all times, right? And they're coming from all different directions. So in addition to the skills, which I wanna talk about next, before that, I wanna talk about what is, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about from a a mentality perspective and a soft skills perspective, what is, for those that are looking to get into product or those that are in product and maybe uh, challenged with or struggling with the fact that the work can be relatively unique, I guess that's partly one question, what is what in your opinion is unique about product management but then two is what are those you know how to, how does someone mentally prepare themselves for a role in product because um i'm sure that you and i both have the perspective that's relatively similar where product can be a very unique job
1: yeah that's true um i think the very first thing that you need to prepare for is that you often walk home uh thinking about what have you have i done today um and so that happened a lot to me um especially when you're sitting when you have a lot of stakeholder work to do um it sometimes doesn't feel very productive because you have nothing tangible to um, i think that's something that you need to deal with um i need to learn um, second is i would say you don't need eight you don't need to know everything yourself um, but at least you should have in my opinion and um, is you at least should have a perspective on something um, that you can add to the mix. Um, and for me, one of the most useful skills I I learned is to be decisive. So just make, most of the time, fast decisions are better than no one, and then no decision. And um, that helped me a lot. It also helped me a lot to get a lot of credibility with, the, with my stakeholders, uh, which obviously makes your job then far easier, so. Be fine with, again, decisiveness comes also from being fine with being wrong and then taking up the responsibility saying, okay, that was my wrong decision. That's okay. That's now we do this. And um, everyone is, I never experienced that anyone blamed me for this behavior when I said, okay, sorry, it was my fault. This is how I plan to go about it right now. Um, And I think that earned a lot of credits.
0: Awesome and couldn't agree more Uh, i particularly like the um the decisive component right is because especially in that product role right what some may not quite know and i've heard this mentioned a few times and I, i mentioned it from time to time and i believe there's some truth to it a lot of people refer to product management or the product manager as the ceo of the product as in you're expected to be managing the product from these different perspectives right you're not just task oriented, you do need to think about the financial implications of what it is you're doing, but you may or may not also be technical or at least working with the technical team. But then you've got sales, you've got marketing, right? So you are collecting perspective and feedback, perhaps from multiple different functional groups at your organization, similar to what a CEO would realistically do. And that decisiveness that I think that you've reiterated as important, and I would wholeheartedly agree, is important because a lot of people are going to be looking to you for leadership upon occasion. And being decisive builds confidence, but then also being open to learning from you know any stumbles along the way or improvements that can be made, kind of getting comfortable with that level of change. I think that was, that was probably what I figured out about myself that I knew personally, that ultimately, once I learned more about product many years ago, I realized that this is probably a good fit for me. It's because I'm comfortable with innovation and change, and in product, <laughs> things are always changing. I know you're s- super comfortable and, and familiar with this, but that's uh, something that I that I learned as well, too. So, excellent advice. Um, next question I have for you with regard to the work that you do is I'd love to learn a little bit more. If you could tell our audience a little bit in terms of the kind of work that you do and what, what areas that you primarily focus on when you're working with the product managers and coaching and training them, and then, any skills that you feel are important for, you know, what, or perhaps a better way to ask it is what do you think is the most important skill for a product manager to master?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, so what I usually do with my mentees is most of the time is spent on, uh, making goals explicit. Um, that's often, and I think that because it's basically like I treat them essentially like a product. So it's on um, what I'm doing with them. I'm just, creating some kind of objectives in the beginning and then we're discussing about okay how do we measure that how do we know that we're moving forward and then we are creating some kind of a roadmap where you might have to upgrade some skills Um, but I found surprisingly many many people already have all the skills that they need Um, they just they're either not confident enough or they don't know Um, and um, and, um, yeah, I think there it comes back to, again, um, being having a very clear mind of what you want and which direction you want to go. I think that's, the, that's what everyone expects from you. Your stakeholders want to know that, and they can feel it if you know which direction you're going. Even if you don't have all the details, they still feel that you have this kind of confidence that you're moving to the right direction. And being savvy then obviously, with numbers and and um, um, and showing with numbers that you're moving into the right direction, I think is one of the most important skills. Um, but as always, it's it always all come back comes back to communication and understanding different perspectives, understanding different people, and bringing that together. Um,
0: Excellent advice. Thank you for that. And I can't thank you enough Timo for being here, sharing your expert advice and uh, expertise with both myself and our audience. The, I have two questions for you before we wrap up this show. And the first one is, what resources, if any, would you share with myself and the audience?
1: Yeah. So, um, everyone can obviously j- jump on my, uh, fresh newsletter. It's uh, available under, um, just timostorm.com. Um, um, I'm, I'm writing essentially about my learnings from from my mentees. So everything that happens around me, and I'm writing two two twice a month. Um, and there's always one one kind of resources that I share there um, for a different topic, and at the same time, one there's always one war story every month uh, from one of my mentees or myself or whatever it is. Um, and beside that, but I, when you're interested, obviously in growth. And growth product management. What I definitely can recommend is the whole Reforge programs. They are not cheap, um, but they definitely have super great content. Um, have a super great blog, um, and they they are really really valuable.
0: Thank you, sir. And last question I have for you is, um, who should reach out to you, and how can they get in touch?
1: Yeah, um, like I said. Every product leaders, advanced product managers, um, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, I think that's the easiest uh, easiest way to connect, and then we get it from there. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to get to know more people and more product people and grow this uh, grow this community.
0: Fantastic community at that. Thank you, Timo. I will link to those in the show notes. And thank you for being here and sharing your expertise with uh, expertise with both myself and our audience.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you or anyone you know is involved in scaling a B2B SaaS business, please have them reach out to me about becoming a potential guest on our show. They can email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P dot I-O. This time, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, Next Step Consulting. Would you like to know what the right next steps are for your B2B SaaS business? Are you trying to grow and scale, but you're stuck? We can help. To find out how Next Step can help your B2B SaaS business achieve its goals, please email me, sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at nxtste dot I-O. Thanks, and keep disrupting.